Have you ever tried to help youth with their mental health? Wowza, that's a tricky road to travel. I have to tell you about an inspiring presentation we recorded with the one and only Jody Moore. Yes, that life coaching Jody Moore. A few years ago, she recorded a fantastic presentation covering topics like normalizing tough feelings with youth, a more positive understanding of stress, how to minimize shame, and mastering the skill set of empathy and better understanding anxiety. I want you to see this presentation as soon as you finish this podcast episode. You can go to leadingsaints.org 14, and this will get you access to the entire video library at no cost for 14 days. Jody's presentation is in the Mentally Healthy Saints library, and you'll be a better leader or parent when you finish it. Again, go to leadingsaints.org 14, or check out the show notes for the link. So my name is Kurt Frankum, and I am the founder and executive director of Leading Saints and obviously the host of the Leading Saints podcast. Now, I started Leading Saints back in 2010. It was just a hobby blog, and it grew from there. By the time uh, 2014 came around, we started the podcast, and that's really when it got some uh, traction and took off. Uh, 2016, we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we've been growing ever since. And now I get the opportunity of interviewing and talking with remarkable people all over the world. Now, this is a segment we do on the Leading Saints podcast called How I Lead. And we reach out to everyday leaders. They're not experts, gurus, authors, PhDs. They're just everyday leaders who've been asked to serve in a specific leadership calling. And we simply ask them, how is it that you lead? And they go through some remarkable principles that should be in a book, that should be behind a PhD. They're usually that good. And uh, we just talk about uh, sharing what the other guy's doing. And I remember being a leader, just simply wanting to know, okay, I know what I'm trying to do, but what's the other guy doing? What's working for him? And so that's why every Wednesday or so, we publish these How I Lead segments to share. Today, we're going to Switzerland with Christiani Launer. How are you, Christiani? I'm fine. Great. Fine. Thank you. Thank you that we can meet. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's it's about lunchtime for me and it's about bedtime for you. So I'm excited That's to have it. this conversation and make it work across time zones. So maybe just give us a little bit of background about you and your, uh, are you born and raised in that part of the world? Yes, uh, I was born and raised in uh, Switzerland, uh, in the Bern area. And um, yeah, I lived here all my life. Uh, my father is Swiss. Uh, my mother, though, is Canadian. Um, but she moved here when my parents got married. Nice. Awesome. And then how would you describe the, the church in your in your part of the world? I guess compared to 
like your part of the world or other growing parts of the world, it's always been more of a modest number, like uh, the saints in Switzerland are somewhere around, I guess, between nine and 10,000. Um, we have one temple, but very important one. Um, there are five stakes. Um, they're, they're like Switzerland is part of three missions which is uh, very interesting. We have four national languages or, or official languages uh, spoken in Switzerland. That makes it uh, very interesting. Also a church, like uh, you'll have some areas or some words who are have a French and a German word. Um, so yeah, it's... Um, I, I would say the the Swiss saints are are modest and sober, but uh, believing. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So, how does that language, all those the diversity of languages, show up at, at church on Sunday? Are there multiple languages happening there? Yes, uh, there there are. Like uh, in in the stake, I am. We have, for example, in some words, there are several also. Uh, Spanish-speaking members, so they try to accommodate that and have like Spanish uh, um, Sunday school, and uh, yeah, just for those members. And uh, in in other wards where they're like I said in Beale, that's one that's the ward where my mother goes to. That's always been bilingual, so there have always over the years been a French ward and a German ward, and they kind of meet on Sundays, they alternate one year, it's first the, the French word, and then the German word, and then the other year it changes again. Wow. So I guess, and of course, we have lots of expats also, maybe not as much as we used to have, um, uh, English speaking uh, members who work uh, in Switzerland. And uh, so uh, in some words, uh, they're also English speaking Sunday schools or meetings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, you've been a, a, is it a two-time Relief Study president? Yes. Uh, I've changed uh, mistakes uh, three times. I grew up in um, in the Bern State when it still was a district. And then I moved to the Zurich State after my mission because I was working in Zurich for over a while. And then um, the, the, state, the Zurich State was... Um, parted and then we had a St. Gallen stake. That's where I was um that's my first round of Relief Society president. And then we moved back to the Bern stake 10 years ago. And now for two and a half years I've been Relief Society president. Yeah. And so then it's my second uh, round. Yeah. So how many or what languages do you speak? Uh well German. Okay. And then um, some French and uh, English, yeah. Right. And so on uh, church on Sunday, generally it's it's German, what you're going to hear yes. in the hallways and things, right? Yes, yes. In yeah. our parts of Switzerland, yes, it could yeah. be German, Swiss German. So tell us about, um, you know, just starting in that in that role, maybe most specifically the second time, um, what what concerns came to your mind as you were beginning that? I mean, what what obstacles were you faced with first? Well, I was surprised, you know, I don't, I didn't think I would be asked a second time, uh, 
to fulfill that calling. And uh, I, I think what was the most important part uh, of being called is I really want to make sure that um, the the state presidency was inspired, I guess. <laughs> that was really important to me. And uh, I only found out much later that the state president actually didn't knew that I had had a first round in that calling. And he said, if I would have known, I don't know. So for okay. me, that's yeah. why it was so important. Um, so are you the and, stake relief study president? Maybe I missed something. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I missed that detail. Okay. So you're, Sorry. and this is your second time as the stake relief study yeah. president? Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. And have yeah, you ever I been award relief study yes. president? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I guess in Switzerland, how should I say? If if you take church serious, I guess you'll have all the callings once in your life. So yeah. I've been in the primary presidency. I've been twice in the young women's presidency, and um, once as a ward uh, relief society president, and now twice um, besides other callings. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, how many wards are in your state then? Uh, to begin, we had eight units, and then they had to close one. And so now it's seven. Actually, it's very modest. It's not, you know, like, it's still some distances I have to travel, like between uh, one and a half hours and, uh, and uh, a half an hour to the wow. next ward. Yeah. And then what, what does that routine typically look like? What, how do you decide what ward to visit? And then what do you do when you visit there? Um, well, if, if, uh, if it's ward conference, um, uh, we visit the, all uh, the wards and uh, branches together with the state presidency. <laughs> and I'm also invited to be part of the, uh, the meeting, uh, the how should I say, before the conference starts, so we get together, and I really uh, appreciate that we get together with the um, the ward leadership, the bishopric or branch presidency, and the elders quorum and um, relief society president. So that helps me every time to kind of get to know what's happening in the board. And you kind of get a feel for the dynamic in the ward, and especially also for the communication between um, bishop and uh, relief society. I always think that's uh, important to to feel how that's going. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, we usually have then a, a meeting with the relief society presidency, but we also do it. Since COVID, of course, that has, I guess, for you two has changed lots of how we do meetings. Most of the meetings nowadays um, are over Zoom yeah. because of the distance. So what we do is on a regular basis, we have Zoom calls with the Relief Society presence of each um, ward or branch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's probably a yeah. little more efficient that is as we've headed that way with Zoom meetings and whatnot, especially when distance yes. is involved. Yes. So, so as you um, talk with your Relief Society presidents in various wards uh, across your stake, what are sort of the main concerns they're, they're worrying about um, in their in their callings? 
Well, I think um, maybe as generally in a um, in in the Western world, people are just overburdened with activity. Um, so much is pulling us, and we it's hard sometimes to decide where to set priorities. And then the other thing is, I guess generally women. Um, suffer from a bad conscience because they think, oh, I should do this and I should do that. And um, and they kind of feel responsible for very often for the welfare of a, of a whole world and how things are developing or when problems arise. And I think one of the the problems that I realize now that wasn't there in my in my first presidency round uh, 10 years ago is that the, the problems, especially with the young members, uh, with the youth. So many uh, mothers in, in the Relief Society now worry about, um, especially their daughters mm. suffering from depression, suicidal um, uh, problems, that, that arise. I can I can see how social media, like the first time I had that calling social media was in existence in 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 our area, maybe already in the States, but not where uh, where we were. It was not such a thing. And uh, but now you can see how what influence it has, especially on um the self-esteem of women in general, but especially on the young women. Um, so that's, I, I would say that's probably one of the biggest challenges uh, we have, that we kind of want to um, portray a picture of ourselves as as women, as mothers, as leaders, and uh, we kind of feel like we cannot um, um do the part we would like to do. We kind of, we're kind of always thinking we're underperforming. I think that's maybe, I hope that comes across all right. Uh, I think that's one of the ver worries uh, sisters have. So if we plan activities, it, it's, uh, they're like stake activities. The attendance is uh, it's pretty modest. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, uh, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. I mean, I think if you were to ask a, a stake relief society president or ward relief society president here in the United States, they would probably answer with something similar. You know, people That's are worried right. about uh, mental health. They're worried about their children, you know, and and just the world we live in with social media and all this, it just seems like it's coming from, from every angle uh, that the, uh, the attack, it you is. know, so, yeah. um, so l let's just, focus in on like your role when you think of like specific principles that have, that have served you well or things that you keep coming back to as you strive to be an effective leader of what 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 are one of those principles I think for myself it's always been um conversion I think the need uh, let me I'm sorry I put on glasses otherwise I can't be <laughs> um what uh, the prophet said in his uh, the plea to my sisters, I don't know if, if that was in 2000, I think 2015 uh, general conference. 
And uh, where he says, uh, he also quotes um, Spencer W. Kimball. And um, he, the prophet says, my dear sisters, nothing is more crucial to your eternal life than your own conversion. It is converted covenant keeping women um, who stand out in a deteriorating world. So for me, that that is that is actually central that women understand that conversion. And I think conversion has lots to do with if you're willing to to make and keep covenants and understand them. And that will lead to the next point that the prophetess has told the women to understand the 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 oath uh, and and the covenant of the priesthood. And I think too too many uh, women in our church don't understand uh, the the power and authority they have through the priesthood, and that's actually that's the, my focus. I uh, I would like to have because I can see it in my own life how important or crucial uh, conversion has been. Uh, when we look around, I can see uh, you know um, women, bright and intelligent uh, women leaving the church because maybe for whatever reasons, and uh, I just feel that. My conversion has been my anchor, especially in in times where um, where there were doubts, and I think everyone has them. Yeah, yeah. And then, how does that you know that that focus, that feeling you have of the, the importance of conversion? Um, how does that manifest or communicated through your calling? Is this something you're talking with the wordly side presence a lot, or in, at in in word conferences, or what comes to mind? Um, yeah, I, I think, I, I think I, I always make it a, um, what's that, a priority to, to bear my testimony. And I think there's a big difference, like the, the word to bear testimony is like, you know, caring, it's a burden. Mm. It's, and you have to, um, you have to kind of, show that that you mean it in german you, you say it different you say you share your testimony you don't use the word bearing and i think uh that, so makes, you mentioned that, that, makes it that is really strange that we do that i don't know why we yeah. use that word but it yeah it's in our vernacular well i th i think that's actually it's pretty accurate because a, a testimony is a burden but it, it's a light burden because we carry it in christ and um to, to me, I think bearing my testimony, especially about covenants and keeping covenants and how it can uh, transform us into women of God. And, and then I just also, which is not always easy, I, I would like the women um, to, to follow the call of uh, the prophet who said that we need to step forward. We need to be heard. So um, I guess I, I make sure that I, I participate in, uh, in all the councils and if, if also in meetings with the state presidency in um, state councils or wherever I am. And if I'm asked, 
or or if it if there's a chance where I can bring in my perspective, my counsel, my inspiration, um, then I will make a point of doing it. Yeah, is it uh, sometimes difficult for you to step forward in those meetings, uh, those council yes. meetings? Huh? What? Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, like one of the, <laughs> I I was stepping forward and saying to my stake president. Besides visiting the wards on um, on ward conferences, I would like to visit each ward during the year and give a give a talk, like fifteen minutes. In and in fulfillment of my calling, as I see it, as Emma also received it in DNC twenty five. You know that I will read the scriptures, interpret them, and teach teach. The members about it, and I also also always make the the scriptures and the teaching teachings of God and of the prophets central in my talks. And I would like the members to 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 hear the voice of women. It's not me; it's my calling. But I think the state president, and I, he, we haven't kind of found. The pattern yet yeah. uh, that um, that fits. I, we were just discussing the the new handbook of the church. I mean, they are doing some changes, and it says in there that the stake president uh, can decide on who he sends forth to to teach and give talks. So it's in actually in his responsibility or in his ability to do that. He doesn't want to make a rule out of it. So uh, that that's another big change. Like uh, in the stake before where I was serving as Relief Society president, uh, the, the stake president was just so glad that I took the initiative. Whatever I wanted to do and whichever initiative I, I brought forth, he said, go ahead and do it. He was just glad that, um, yeah, I was... I was putting in, uh, yeah, all this effort. And I think that's what we should um, be happy about. I mean, I I think in my calling, I would really want to go forth as a, as, a, as a teacher, as someone who brings the word of God um, in, in this authority of this, um, of this calling. But not everybody is happy about that. They they think it's it's too progressive. Hmm. But nonetheless, you you put your put your voice forward, and like you said, sometimes some leaders they're maybe more open to different changes. Other leaders aren't. But they, yeah. I guess, the point is being in practice of putting your voice forward and being heard, and and not backing down even when maybe your idea is discouraged. Yeah, I, I've decided I'm not going to back down. Yeah, I'm going to keep uh, bringing in my ideas as I, I as I see fit, as I, I feel inspired. I like to bring the story that or the experience I once had as, uh, as a young mother years ago. Uh, my son was getting baptized and he invited uh, a friend from school. And not only did this friend come, who was also eight years old, but he brought his entire family with him. So we were 
so excited. I thought to myself, wow. And it was really a special family. They lived close by where we lived. And uh, I was really excited. And I thought, wow, this is the perfect, um, how should I say, perfect show of uh, meeting of the churches of baptism. I always think, I mean, I don't know how you feel. I just love baptism. So, I mean, people are just so joyful and happy and everyone comes together and, and, um, but then the mother of this friend came up to me and asked, I asked her after this how she experienced it and how it was. She says, oh, I, I really loved it. It was great. But where are all the women in your church? And I only realized then that at that baptism, my son had asked, of course, his cousins to speak and his grandfathers and and while well, he was baptized by his father and everything. So it was just really just men leading, talking, praying. I, I think maybe but there was one woman praying, but that was it. And I hadn't realized that when we were planning uh, that um, meeting. But it was too bad because I know this family, they joined another church within weeks after. And I knew they were they were searching for a, a church where they would feel comfortable. And it was it was a lesson to me that we cannot just expect people to know that women are special in our church. They have to be visible. But not everyone feels the same. I, I would like the Relief Society presidents in each board to be seen during sacrament meeting, to be seen as the leaders of that board, to sit up front. Um, some do it. And they've had really great experiences. They're, they've really also received a testimony on how important it is because not only are they seen, but they see the members, which for a long time they didn't realize, you know, when someone had problems. You can see so much just sitting up front. I'm sure you have that experience as well. Yeah. Just sitting up front and seeing who's coming, who's going, who's not there, who's maybe a bit stressed or whatever it is. And so I think it's important for the Relief Society also to notice um, um, these dynamics of a ward. But um, I would say there's a, this is, um, how would I say? Some people think it's a good idea, some members, and they support the idea, and others uh, are not happy at all about it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't I don't know how it is in the States. I mean, it's only been about five or six years where the young women stand at the doors uh in our in our ward. Hmm. Like they do the sacrament meeting or during the passing of the sacrament? Yeah. Right. And some even uh would assist the bishop in whatever he needs during sacrament meeting, you know, sitting next to the bishop. And so for me, uh having the young women also visible in a uh, sacrament meeting that for me is a big step forward too and for the young women also to realize that they have responsibilities uh, not all, only uh, just being there but being part of the meeting contributing uh, by uh, yeah being at the door or being the assistant to the bishop and, and you know whatever needs to be done
Yeah. I really appreciate you you bring that up as like you said some people they may be they may think that's uh, it's maybe too too outside the box to have the relief society mm-hmm. presidency sit on the stand or even a relief society president alone sit on the stand uh but mm-hmm. I think it's important to recognize and every bishop or bishopric knows this of the value of being able to to appear into the eyes of those attending yeah. sacrament meeting and or kind yeah. of seeing who's there who's not who's you know mm-hmm. just gauging the you know, from the look on their face, wow! I mean, they seem like they're some, they're going through something. I'm going to reach out or whatnot. And so, uh, regardless of if you actually you know implement something what that gives the Lucide president the same experience, just just processing and taking this uh, this question to God as a as a bishopric or as a ward mm-hmm. council of how can we make the women more visible in our church. Uh, routines and experiences and meetings and whatever it is so that mm-hmm. those visiting that can pick up on those cues, right? That Because yeah. if you're visiting one of our churches, you you don't, you probably don't realize that there's a whole organization for women that they meet mm-hmm. together and it's a beautiful yeah. thing, but you, you sort of have need some visual cues or some type of cues to, to really make sure they get a better idea of that experience, right? Yes. Well, to me, it's, you know, I go to the temple and for me, uh, that the balance there is much more visible. Wherever I move to, if it is in an endowment room or if it is just entering, you have this balance of of a visual. You see men and women serving together, mm. and sometimes I miss that in our meeting rooms. In, in just you know, in a regular church. So I, I think I think we can do more. Yeah, can do more. It's worth it's yeah. worth considering. And again, we don't have the you know the five point plan that's going to solve every ward's issue with this or, yeah. or whatnot. But it's it's a question worth taking to God and and pondering over to see how. It can be yes, done. yes, yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, to me, to me, it's yeah, it's been and especially uh, we had uh, um, area authority elder uh, Tsarsev from Germany. Uh-huh. Uh, visit us in um, May this year for stake for stake conference, and to me that was also a pivotal moment. Um, I don't know if if the church in the U.S. is so much aware, but for for many years now, this is my experience. You, you always kind of feel like, yeah, we're just there. They come and visit us and say Switzerland is beautiful, but we know that we're just not really that important for the growth of the church or the stability of the church or whatever it is. It's kind of like they're just kind of entertaining us and, and happy we're there. But to have an um, area authority come and say, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, that that we are the motor in Europe and because also because of the temple and how important this is for the growth of the church. And maybe our growth is a bit different. I can see and the statistics that, you know, up to, I would say, the end of the 50s, the members, many of the members in Switzerland, they emigrated to uh, the U.S., well, more specific, of course, to Utah. Yeah. And then um, my father-in-law was one of the first ones. He was living in the U.S. when uh, General Authority came up to him and say, he has to go back to Switzerland and build up the church there. And he then became the first uh, state president. But and then you can see between the 50s and the 60s, the church made almost double in uh, membership because 
of course, we could retain the members here. And ever since then, we've been trying to catch up with with the growth we had before, but everyone leaving, of course, that was really, it was really hard. So, yeah. And we have some really great pioneer families. And, um, and with that came the, 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 the building of the temple in, in Switzerland. And I, I think not many members, not even in Switzerland, are, are aware of how pivotal that moment was also for the growth in Europe. Because uh, Switzerland was for for three years, it was the only temple in Europe, and uh, all the members came from all over the countries came to Switzerland. There was quite a, a sacrifice they made to come here, but I think that sacrifice, that willingness to 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 travel for a covenant for a covenant with God. I mean, what kind of a a blessing is this? Also, I can see it from my parents. They were sealed in the Swiss temple. It's it's just beyond words. I think we we don't even understand how much that really um uh I would say directs directs our life. And I that's actually my the the kernel, or I would say the pearl of my testimony is uh the temple. And the privileges and the covenants and the blessings that go with it. Yeah. Yeah. That heritage is so important. And I think on both sides of the globe, we're we're always grappling with that of of trying to remember the sacrifice of where we come from. Cause now, you know, uh uh through the the miracle of, of President Nelson and what he's doing with temple building, I mean, which is beautiful, yeah. but uh, the temple experience is a little bit different when, you know, it's 10 minutes down the road or, or even yeah. a few hours or whatever it be. So, uh, yeah, yeah. any other, any other principle or concept, uh, come to mind that we need to make sure we hit before we wrap up or. I don't know. I think with the changes that president Nelson has initiated, uh, just since he's been the prophet of the church, I don't think the members really understand the the depth uh, of uh, of what it means just for example uh, teaching family teaching of uh, of principles that that actually it's the place where where we are taught and where we build our 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 testimony Um, because in the next life well you know it's going to be families it's not going to be we're not going to have state conferences or whatever. I think just, and I think probably part of it is because of COVID that really changed many things. So I I would say the 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 importance and the worth of families has never been greater than in this in these days. So we have it's now thirty years since we have the proclamation. And it's 70 years since we've had the temple in Switzerland. So I, I, I make it a point to, to highlight those two things that they go hand in hand and how, how farsighted the prophets and of course God is with the problems that arise in, in this day. So if, if we can have a family and temple centered uh, a membership in Switzerland, I think, I think we'll be safe and we'll be ready for, um, for when Christ um, comes again. I think 
then comes to mind the um, the ten virgins, uh, the parable of the ten virgins, uh, and I, I'm. It is my testimony that the five who have the oil are are the five who go to the temple and make and keep covenants. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, Christiana, your your faith is obvious, and it's just so inspiring, uh, especially here the faith of other saints in other parts of the world, and and uh, so. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that you taking the time to allow me to ask you some questions and whatnot. Um, I've got one more question for you, but any other point sure. or principle you want to make sure we cover before I ask my final question or did we do it? <laughs> uh, I was just, you know, maybe since I have the microphone, I would like to just thank a few who have influenced me in my life. And I think so many people are not, um, aware of what their especially their books do like uh, just growing up and and reading um it started out for me it started out with Truman G. Madsen then Stephen Robinson then James Farrell uh I'm a big fan of Adam S. Miller yes absolutely uh and how he changed my view on grace I, I would think uh, I've learned more through him than many other talks. Uh, then the Givens, who've uh, been doing, and of course, their podcasts like yours or uh, Faith Matters or others that um, have, um, you know, maybe because I have an English background, I can read and listen to all of these. Not many members in the church know of all those um, uh, books or podcasts or so it's um, still nothing of not much gets translated into German. Um, uh, my sister and I want to translate uh, or have uh, Adam S. Miller um, translate one of his uh, books, uh, a letter to a young Mormon, because I think it's so important for the rising generation to understand uh, I'm. I was happy to uh, have to interview Kate Holbrook a year ago, just before she died. Um, she has, I guess, her books have really uh, have a, leave a big impression on my spiritual life. Um, those are actually people who really uh, make a difference. Even here in Switzerland, I don't know if they're aware of it. Even if we, you know, leave a little whatever. Uh, uh, commentaries this there it is but it's important it's important that we hear those voices here and that we are heard i think i, I think i don't know how <laughs> if anyone even realizes uh if we're here or not but um i think we need each other yeah love it well christiana the last question i have for you is as you reflect on your time as a leader in the church how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of jesus christ I think here I, I'm going to have to touch on more on my being a mother. Um, I have my youngest son is severely handicapped, and it's been a really big challenge now for 24 years. And um, 
I think this insecurity of not knowing how things are going to turn out and uh, and being overwhelmed most of the time and mentally and physically tired. I think if if I wouldn't be following Jesus Christ, I wouldn't have been able to 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 grapple with that challenge, mostly because those challenges go unseen and unknown to most of the people. And I think that's what Jesus Christ was all about. Uh, I think the most important parts of his messages, of his mission, of his um, his sonship has been so many um, conversations and encounters which we are not aware of. And I think that's also with with other things. I think so many things happen in my life that I'm not aware of, but if I can give it the same importance just as uh, interacting with my son, then I have a feeling that I'm following Jesus Christ. And that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email on social media in a text, wherever it makes the most sense and share it with somebody who could relate to this this experience. And this is how we how we develop as leaders just hearing what the other guys doing trying some things out testing adjusting for your area. And uh, that's that's where great leaderships discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, uh, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, uh, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org contact. Maybe send this in individual an email, letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them. And... Uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. Remember, the Jody Moore presentation about youth and mental health is waiting for you at leadingsaints.org slash 14. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.